Um, I have to actually tell you, funny enough, that the last time when, when Jessica was on and you were having a conversation about Dublin and I was sitting here like a tourist going, yeah, sure. Um, I was actually in Dublin last week um, and I cycled from Kilmainham to city centre. I got to say, you guys do not fuck around when it comes to traffic. Uh, you just have no time for cyclists at all. Nope. No, oh, cyclists no. are cyclists are down there with pedophiles, to be honest. Uh, in wow! Dublin. <laughs> based on <laughs> that, based on what you see on the roads, like that—that that is the disregard they're held in. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree, though. I, I like I just can't. And, I don't I personally not... equate cyclists yeah. to pedophiles, and I would like to make that clear. Yeah, I was just going to say that is right now. That is where I'm cutting this segment off. Um, <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and welcome along to another day, another year, and another decade of decadence uh, as you join us once again here at Reeling in Your Ears, the only podcast dedicated to Reeling in the Years, uh, the only podcast which disseminates each episode of Reeling in the Years and painstakingly watches each segment to bring you laughter, joy, and that good feeling you only get from us or, well, a well-placed massage chair. Uh, to join me, as always, the greatest rugby player never to play for Leinster, the best sports pundit to never appear on a sports show, and the best co-host of Reeling in Your Ears, it's Simon Chadwick. Hey Kieran, how are you getting on? That's for I, I every time, every week you do outdo yourself with these introductions. I'm, That's my favorite one. I'm telling you, I ran out of music to play, so I just said, "Hey, fuck it." I give it. <laughs> Let's flatter him instead. It's working. It's yeah, working. There, here we go. I'm signed on for the rest of the series. That's it. We'd sign the new contract on the dotted yeah. line. Yeah. Uh, and once again, we're joined by our guest this week, back again for another dose of nostalgia. Remember, it's like Pfizer. Everyone gets two with less side effects. It's Jessica Collins. Hello. How is? Aloha. Um, so yeah, uh, we've we've all had a, a pretty 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 good weekend or good week rather. The weekend is, is is coming up, so we're back again to discuss the year that was nineteen ninety. We're moving on in years. We're moving into the decades, uh, which you know nobody asked, but yes, there will be a new logo for the show because I do one for every decade. This year's one, this decade's one was a really badly drawn Rubik's cube. Uh, so you know next year I might do a really or next week might do a really badly drawn I don't know Tamagotchi or Spice Girl whatever you know floats your boat um what a what a decade we're about to wade through oh, oh god yeah. the absolute tripe that we're about to see uh you thought the 80s was tripeful well, this is even tripe fuller that's a word um so yes uh this week olivia o'leary opens up this week by asking does it matter if a presidential candidate tells the truth because if it does fianna fall have a problem i miss this style of journalism this was very on the nose and very interrogative whereas nowadays you just get somebody going you know here's the news this is what happened this was very uh what's it, jeff daniels in the newsroom-esque olivia mm-hmm. o'leary really sticking yeah. the knife in I, I think nowadays what you'd get is you'd get maybe a journalist saying that but then you'd have to have someone from fianna fall there to make the counter argument because they seem oh, yeah. to just be obsessed with the balance no matter what the issue is no matter how much of a fruit loop the other <laughs> the balance has to be they have to have balance whereas i think back then you could just say Fianna Fáil, if they're lying, they're fucked. <laughs> and yeah, you didn't need are. to have any background. You didn't need to have any kind of, not proof, but like you were making a very easy statement that could potentially have been a lie. Are they telling the truth? Is it important to tell the truth as a presidential candidate? Are you asking them, do they need to have the truth told to them? Or do you mind if Fianna Fáil lied to you? Like it's, I like it. I thought it was awesome. I miss that journalism too. I do. Yeah. And her hair was fabulous. It, it the journalist's was. hair was great. It was. And the one thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing in the years is the hair, the evolution of newsreaders hair. Mm. Um, and I can't remember the name of that journal, that, that, that newsreader for BBC 
the um the black lady um Olivia Olivia um is it Olivia um oh she had great she had great afro hair she, she did and it, it, it got smaller and smaller as the yeah. decades went on yes and I can't remember her name god damn it Olivia, um, I'm gonna have to find that name I'll find it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll come back um but yes uh, Brian Lenahan senior gets caught with his pants down and shits all over himself as he previously denied having phoned <laughs> the then president Patrick Hillary in 1982 uh, to ask him to not dissolve the doll this was then brought to light during his presidential campaign in which he was ousted as a bullshitter uh, he tries to defend himself by vehemently denying any call taking place which leads to him getting the sack from Charlie Hawhey how bad do you have to be for Charlie fucking to sack you uh, and despite this he still runs for president this is a fantastic story it's a great way to kick the decade off oh, yes. uh, like this is this is everything you want and I think it's important to note that this is the start of like we're kind of used to presidential campaigns now with the backbiting and the, the surprise revelations we all remember um, Sean Gallagher on uh, on the debate uh, in 2011 when he was uh, when he was favoured to uh, to win and then uh, that that tweet got dropped and it turned out it was from Sinn Féin's bots and uh, and suddenly he was like, <laughs> yeah. out of the running and Mickey D emerged in the rubble and there were seven candidates and Dana was there for some reason and they were just baiting the <laughs> shit out of each other like back before 1990 presidential I don't even think Hillary had to run uh, in the election before this he just got re-elected yeah. um, and like we saw one back in the 70s between uh, Tom O'Higgins and Erskine Childers where they were petting kittens they were you know they were just waving at people <laughs> out the car window it was all very nice and this is a nice intro into uh, modern presidential elections in Ireland where oh. people are throwing videos secret videos out or secret tapes out of uh, Lennon very casually by the way yeah. just going oh, yeah, I rang president, I I rang rang president. Of it. yeah yeah and then going on TV and saying oh on mature recollection I didn't <laughs> ring him I'm like, <laughs> that's the worst lie I've ever heard and I want and he's like pointing at the camera and being like I want to put my my, my, <laughs> my reputation. reputation on the and you did sir and even Charlie Hai saw through it and sacked you <laughs> <laughs> what an like what an ass like i genuinely couldn't you, you like you genuinely i love the way when it um when he's when the tape plays in the background the blue box and the writing it makes it seem like he's actually getting caught out but in a nintendo game uh you know, <laughs> you know the, way the text would pop up in blue um yeah like you you can't you, you just can't deny that that's him but not also that but the fact that they waited nine years when he ran for president to be like, oh, no, you don't, you dirty little liar. It's very modern day, isn't it? Like dredging oh. up an old tape we have. Oh, we'll hold on to that now. And Lenin, Lenin will go for office at some point and we'll screw him. Oh, 100%. Uh, he, he just, I just, I, I, re, I love the interview where he says, on mature recollection, I didn't do it. I'm like, we all just heard you. I know this is spliced together, but we all just heard you do it like two seconds ago. Stop looking into my eyes and telling me. That thing me that you did, and but I think back then, like that was like the pomposity of like Fianna Fáil that like they ruled the country for so much of the country's history that like you they could just bareface lie to you through the oh, telly yeah. and expect that you'd just go, <laughs> oh well, he said he didn't do it, so I'm going to vote for him. We did though. <laughs> That's well, what we did. We totally well, let them get away with it. For, for many years, we did. Yeah, we did. That's true. That's why yeah, it worked, love- and that's why that's why he was able. By the way, was anyone worried about? Brian Lennon here like he did like he looks a sick man always he I know he was sick, sick he obviously he? had health issues and, and but like if, he looked like a warmed up corpse in these clips it, it, yeah he kind of to me I always thought that about him anyway um even on his election posters and that's going back I was 10 when this was like 1990 I was 10 much much younger than you people are now 
And um, I remember seeing him going, is he sick? He would not, he would be in a hospital if he was alive today, mm. if he looked like that. Like if we bring him, you know, bring him back into the future and say, Jesus, he needs he needs help. Does he's got some kind of lung deficiency, or he's yeah, he just doesn't look well. No, and it's I suppose cruelly it is kind of you know uh, coincidental that years later, when his own son would be in politics, he would like appear one day in front of the cameras, and people would be like, "Oh my God, he does not look well at all." Like no. any footage you see of Brian Lennon Jr. nowadays, you can clearly tell something was not right. And of course, he was you know terribly uh, had to be ousted for his illness because like allegedly somebody from tv3 rang and said we know you're sick you have 24 hours to tell the nation or we will spill the beans for you so the uh the lenahans were kind of no stranger to scandal no um but uh obviously player two enters the game uh, as mary robinson enters the race and even appears on the den and that's what Lenahan should have done because she won the fucking thing uh and she becomes ireland's first female president manon heron what a lovely woman. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great speech. I did like this because like I think uh, when I was reading up about it, like and I've I've listened to stuff about Mary Robinson before and she's coming into this, she would have had quite a cold, a reputation as quite a cold, like an academic, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. not a warm person. Um, so the clips of her kissing the Blarney Stone, posing <laughs> with random families, going on the dead, where she famously called Dustin the Turkey. Justin the turkey oh. uh, <laughs> but like you know it was all obviously it's carefully managed it was like get her get her get her you know seen as this what we all like and what us Kieran and even uh, Jess I'm sure you were a bit older than, than we were well Kieran you weren't alive then but no, uh, no. you know we we would have grown up with her as our first president let's say and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and you'd look at her as this like cuddly like cuddly but like you know figure that this kind of matriarchal figure i guess um where she was seen as as she wasn't seen as that going into this but uh they really got the campaign right and obviously fina falls hilarious implosion uh helped massively i actually read i actually read uh when i was researching this i read uh something that i i found very funny so um everyone's favorite uh blustering blowhard porrick flynn uh We all know P. Flynn. Uh, he's been in the he's been in the series before, and oh, he will yeah. be again. Um, but in a typically blustering intervention, uh, he was campaigning for Lennon, and he went off on one about Mary Robinson uh, because obviously they were scared shitless of her. And uh, she he blasted her, uh, and I quote here: "Newfound interest in her family." Uh, so as in, like you know, this trying what? to make herself seem more of a you know family person and all that kind of thing. Uh, and he thought, like Fianna Fáil were so arrogant, they thought this would like turn women away and like be like oh she you know yeah you're right she doesn't love her family let's vote for Brian Lennon uh, you know who's on death's door by the looks of him um, but rather than weakening Robinson it backfired and destroyed what was left of Lennon's campaign as uh, female voters Manana Heron turned en masse to Mary Robinson and told P. Flynn to do one uh, which nice. was uh, which was beautiful yeah. I, I think my favourite part about it was when she said uh Manana Heron, you're now, uh, you rock the system instead of the cradle. Yeah, that was a line, isn't it? It's a yeah. terrific line, but in my head, I'm thinking, you you mean like a mother, like rocking the cradle or like a, you know, like a cougar? Because nowadays that could mean something <laughs> very different. That's actually very <laughs> true. Um, I remember when I was in, uh, when I was in school, um, the, what you call it, they made us do, I'm going to say, God, I'd say it was in like first class, so she still would have been a president, but uh, they made us do uh, a family tree type thing. And um, my mother and father obviously helped me with it. And 
that was how I learned that my grandmother's name was Mary Robinson. So uh, I remember being popular for all of an hour because everybody thought the president was my grandmother. Uh, then when they saw my family tree and saw that the, my, my grandmother had in fact died in 1960, uh, they realized quickly that that was not my grandmother. And that was the last time that I <laughs> actually the second time I became popular was when I figured out that if I sell a tape a pen to my glasses, then I looked like somebody from Thunderbirds. And then I became popular for all of an hour ah. again. Quite clever. Can't get no away with it these days. No <laughs> um, we then get shots of something happens singing. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, and the big wig on Today FM and News Talks, Tom Dunn. Mm. Wow. It's something to behold. It certainly is. It looks like an old timey judge. Yeah. Um, looks looks like he's wearing a poodle. <laughs> and this a is lot actually, of hair. This is a Terrific. much better song than their other crap, which is parachute. Oh, no, don't say that. Oh. They were that song will never make you feel bad. It's a happy, oh. happy song. It, it 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 just doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't I, have to make sense. That we weren't talking about this, my friend. <laughs> we were talking about Mr. Lyrics. I would say that I do prefer hello, 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 hello. But yeah. uh, mm. I, I'm not. I've nothing against parachute. I just feel like it. It belongs in like a you know. Something like Sixteen Candles, some kind of an iconic eighties movie. That's I, I kind of felt like it's ten years too too late. I felt like it should have been back in the eighties yeah. to pick some up, but you know yourself, music in the eighties was very depressing. So True. now we're in a new decade of um, lyrics that don't make sense and dance music that just took over the world. But again, the lyrics never made sense. True, and you were about to say, so you, you were having a conversation with somebody misheard lyrics. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for misheard lyrics. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my god. I um. <laughs> The, the ones that we've come up with lately is um, Ace of Bass. All that she wants is another baby. Right. Have you heard the lyrics to that song? They oh, don't yeah. make sense. They don't make sense at all. And we know them verbatim. They don't make sense at all. Well, I mean, it's about a woman wanting another baby, isn't it? But it's not. <laughs> if you listen to the lyrics, it's about the fact that she, like, just the words don't make sense. It's something like, she's the hunter, you're the fox. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> what? all that she wants is another baby she's gone tomorrow what does that even mean she just wants to get pregnant and she's gonna leave you yeah, possibly but i don't know yeah my my favorite more recent uh one is uh you know that major la- major laser song yes yes um for ages i thought she was singing marcus fergal because it's a yeah because that major laser on blow kiss fire gun makes it sound like she's singing oh, yeah. marcus fergal i was like oh, yeah. the fuck are marcus and fergal <laughs> Focus, fire gun. Is it? Is that what it is? I have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought it was. But I'm the one. I'm. I'm the fool. Like I'm the gobshite. I'm the one that has to look up the lyrics. I need to know the right words. But my friend. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you my favorite one, and then we'll move on. But my sister's my favorite one. Um, she likes my tone, my cologne, and the way I roll. Do you remember that song? Oh, uh, with uh, Pharrell and Snoop Dogg and. Yes. Yeah. 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 My sister says. Uh, she likes my tone, my caflone and the way I... What's a caflone? You know what? It doesn't matter. A caflone is what it is now. <laughs> or the greatest of all time that I think everybody misunderstands. My love ain't got no money. He's got his... Strong. Yeah. Trombolese. Trombolese. Dungarees. Trombopoline. Trombolese uh, is my favorite one because it's not a word. But people said trombolese. That, there you go. That's very true. I could totally do a whole show on misheard lyrics. You should. 
I should. Um, and uh, Brian Keenan looking very shook after he's released from over 1,598 days in captivity in Beirut. Uh, he gives us his bucket list, which is essentially eat, drink and ride. Good man, yes. Brian. Yes. Uh, and of course, he's welcomed home as a hero in his native Belfast. Um, I was thinking about this, though, and that, that surely wouldn't be as good crack as it sounds. No. Eat, drinking and riding. Eating all the food in the world, drinking yeah. all the drink in the world and making love to all the women in the world. That doesn't Fair sound enough. or 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 you know that doesn't sound like as much crack. I don't think that's going to be as much crack as it sounds to him. I think he's going to be exhausted. He, and all, yeah. uh, to be fair, he didn't look great now in that footage. <laughs> he, mean, no, yeah, he didn't. Sixteen hundred days. I mean, the know? man needs sleep. Yeah, that was that you know? was my. But my thought was when he when they interviewed him at home and he was looking a bit better, uh, and he was you know he looked like a typical IT guy from the nineties, and. <laughs> I was thinking, you better open with, I just got home from being in captivity in Beirut because I don't think he's getting a ride, uh, you know, on on a pure basis of looks. Yeah, you know. He's got the story. He's got the story. He's I mean, got, he's got that going know, Nowadays, he'd be, you know, a million followers on Instagram. And, True, actually. You know, yeah, he'd probably well. be live tweeting from <laughs> captivity. He'd have had his veneers done before he came back from Beirut. He probably would have had a transplant. Looking at this video, he'd also missed a button in his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> he looked wrecked. How dare, how dare, how dare he <laughs> be sloppy? Just not sartorially, uh, you know, well endowed either. So, you know, poor Brian. <laughs> poor, poor Guy Brian. can't catch a break. No. Uh, and this year sees riots in Britain over taxes uh, as we see cop cars take a battering. Um, oh, yeah, while Northern Ireland gets a new MP, David Trimble. Um, this would, of course, be the beginning of, uh, I suppose, the kind of David Trimble, John Hume, you know, that sort of, well, I won't call it a coalition. Um, but I just vaguely remember studying this in school and seeing David Trimble and uh, Bono and John Hume on stage just yeah. after they signed a Good Friday Agreement. Which is interesting because, like, Trimble is quite hardline unionist. I mean, yeah. like, and he's an orange man and he would have led the marches down the Garbahi Road in the mid-90s. We'll actually see that in the later yeah. episodes. Um but yet at the same time, like he, he was obviously one of the key players in the negotiation of the Good Friday Agreement. So he kind of, you know, has a redemption story. He certainly yeah. came around quicker than, say, oh, I don't know, Big Ian, uh, you know, um, oh, yeah. just to pick a random unionist out, um, you know. But uh, yeah, he's an interesting character. And I didn't realize he wasn't an MP until until 1990. Um, I just assumed he was like one of these people who'd been an MP for like 40 yeah. years. No, he just kind of seemed to get in there a bit late in the game. Um, but it's gas because, you know, David Trimble is literally in the middle of an interview and it gets cut off because we get a look at new lotto winners. Uh, the Scruffy Murphy Syndicate win a huge <laughs> amount of 2.4 million. Uh, the 10 businessmen win with a secret lotto system, which one of them is keeping tight lipped, which I didn't really look into this and I probably should have. I don't know. Was it ever revealed what their secret lotto system was? Oh, it was. Oh, oh, it was. Would you like to know what it was? Oh, I love that. Yeah. To it was buy enough tickets to cover every combination of numbers that was it that was the secret system it, it was, was just invest so they basically treated it like an investment and they got people to put money the 10 lads put enough money in that they could cover off because at that point there wasn't as many numbers so i don't know what it is now is it like 40 something numbers yeah, something so like, like back then i think it was 30 something so the combinations yeah, were it was 36 yeah or a good then, bit yeah. less right so they they worked out that if the jackpot was high enough plus all the little bits that you get. So you get your, you know, three numbers, you get your three and a bonus, you get your yeah. four, four and a bonus, all that stuff. So they worked out that if you got all of those, you know, they'd make 2.4 million out of the jackpot plus whatever the rest of the money was, you know, a couple hundred thousand probably and that they would therefore make if they invested, I don't know, one and a half million to get all those tickets, they'd make themselves a profit of like That's... a million. 
and that was the idea didn't they say on the footage though that if they won again they'd have to be investigated yeah and he did with this guy not the same syndicate but the guy that they interviewed stefan yeah (laughs) stefan uh (laughs) stefan i haven't written down but i can't pronounce that uh stefan um klinkovich won it again as part of another syndicate of like 30 people who did the same thing in like the 92 I think um, um, but I don't know if it was ever investigated but yeah there you go like so I not so, how much, not so how secret much, how much would 2.4 million punts be in euro now oh oh good question I mean okay we actually last week last week yeah we we, we had a quiz about something similar we did I don't so, remember the answer. I, I listened back to the episode. It, was, it was nearly double. Uh, so, wow. I mean, adjusting for inflation, not going up that much the year after, would say 2.4 million. You're probably looking at about five and a bit million, I'd say. Nowadays. Not, not too shabby. No, not now, too I mean, look, shabby. It wouldn't, it wouldn't last as much as, you know, your, your, your lotto winnings would these days. I mean, what's, I don't even know what the lotto is on nowadays, but it's ridiculous money. It's like 127 million. If you should be oh, that's the it. Euro millions. Irish lotto is not great. Well, no. Like maybe 20 million. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not, I'm not say saying no that's crap. It. But compared to 115 million euro, it's... Well, yeah. You know, yeah, pittance. A baby <laughs> country. <laughs> um, and um, Cardinal Tomás Ophiuch dies while visiting Lourdes of a heart attack. Uh, he was succeeded by Cahill Daly as the primate of Ireland. Uh, no, not a monkey. It's a Catholic thing. That's what uh, I thought. I thought yeah, yeah, I thought monkey as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why do they use the word primate? Like, why would you? That doesn't even sound Catholic. No, it doesn't. It actually sounds primate, the opposite primate. of Catholic. It sounds evolutionary. It, it sounds a bit wild and, you know, oh, okay, King Kong, Carl Daly. Let's go with you like. Do you know what I mean? It sounds a bit Jungle Book more so than Catholics of Ireland. Yeah, I did a bit of looking into it as well. Uh, there was a kind of a movement to, I won't say beatify him, but to have him sort of honoured in the way that you would a saint because he was holy and he died in Lourdes. And the reasoning was, oh, it was kind of a miracle death. No, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people die of heart attacks in random places. Yeah. A miracle death, like, a come mi- on. Yeah, I mean... His heart it's, gave out in Lourdes, will you give over? It's like, it's not like God went, there he is, get him. <laughs> you know, he's here at the right place, the right time. Poor man. Uh, we're just, you know, that's kind of in the, the vibe, especially of last week with reeling in ears, just going, here's a dead body. Um, and celebrations in Germany uh, as after 45 years, the two sides of the country are reunited. Uh, hugs, fireworks, flags, and a lot of cigarettes. It was just everybody was smoking. It's like, yeah, okay, cool, why not? Uh, as the wall came down last year, we saw that, and then the two sides are finally united, which is interesting uh, because here they're united. However, in the World Cup, they still went on to play as West mm. and East Germany. So unless one game before yeah, the other. I think because they were qualifying you know, a year prior. So they were, they were kept separate up until after the World Cup. That does make sense. Um, and in South Africa, Nelson Mandela is freed after years in prison with a return to his home in Soweto, where he is greeted by a large crowd. Um, it's, it's very telling, the fact that like he was definitely in prison because I think we saw him in the early, I want to say 60s or 70s episode uh, where he was in prison and he was looking like a very fit young man. And then you just don't see any of them like at all. Uh, for like 10 years and then he comes out looking 90 and he's just he looked that way until the day he died that's the way we always remember him um, and of course he's more probably known in, in, in sort of social media circles I suppose for the Mandela effect have you have any of you heard of the Mandela effect you... yeah I have and I don't really 
I, I like yeah I don't know it it uh, what is it it comes from people thought he died like years yeah. before or something yeah. like that and yeah. people were convinced that they did heard it on the news and stuff exactly you have it so people basically it, yeah it comes from that where in the 80s people thought that he had died in prison and you know if you had said to somebody oh do you remember when Mandela died and they yeah yeah he died in prison or whatever uh, people swear that this happened so there's often uh, there's great examples of it of like um people thinking that the Monopoly man has a monocle, which he yeah. doesn't. Uh, and, you know, the big one for me actually was a couple of, when I found out about this a couple of years ago before the man had actually died, somebody said to me, hey, do you remember when Fidel Castro died? And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. And he went, no, no, he's still alive. So it was just those weird kind of things where you're like, oh, no, that definitely, you think it's one way, but it's actually the other. And then it kind of changed your whole perspective. And there's a great example on the Wikipedia page. It's like thousands of examples out there. I'm sitting looking at them, would you believe? And ah. um, I, and what's scary is I, I must have smoked too much weed recently because I've definitely <laughs> seen these before. <laughs> My favorite one is Curious George not having a tail. Yes. I'm like, what? But he never had a tail. And nope. yet people thought he had a tail. Or the, my, li- the, my life is ruined. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm about, to, I'm about to ruin it even more. What color is C-3PO? Oh, oh God. He's... um. Uh, he's gold, but he's got a silver leg or something. There you go. Yes. Bet you didn't. Uh, or Simon, did you know this? No, no, no I did not. And if, you know uh, what? I went looking afterwards and yeah. I, I don't believe it. Yeah, no, I, I went looking at it too. And I looked up the original like stills from the movies and shit. And yeah, he is totally gold, but he's got a silver leg. So and also at the end of We Are The Champions by, uh, by Queen, they do not say of the world. They don't. No, nope, they don't. See, it's just the, the world is filled with these little wonders um, and uh, it's dodgy CGI next as a massive bird introduces us to Nighthawks more like Shitehawks uh, where Blaheen Keevney is seen slagging off someone named Maraid I have no idea who Blaheen is or what she's up to uh, all I know is that Nighthawks was a sketch type of show similar to Bull Island and that she starred in, an, in, in, in a B movie about a song for Europe something to do with the Eurovision I think Never heard of this woman in my life. Yeah. She's a bit of a strange. I so, think she did a lot of radio stuff, though, like radio theater and, you know, yeah, back but in the day. I, I thought Blockheed was the character. Oh, maybe? Was in she? this sketch. Oh, and then the, the she's played by an actress. TV presenter, yeah. Yeah, who oh. I didn't recognize. But I think you're right. I think a lot of mostly theater and stuff. I don't that see is... sketch shows anymore, though. I miss them. No, there was a good one. I know I referenced Bull Island. There was a good one after Bull Island that had your man who played Owen McLove in it. And I cannot for the life of me remember the name. He used to do this sketch and it's very it was well known, but it's he would um in the sketch he'd he'd oh fuck, he'd be out jogging and somebody would be like taking a picture with a camera and it wouldn't work. And he'd be like, Oh, give us a look at it, I can fix it, and he'd hop it off a tree and break it <laughs> and then just run off. Yeah, I remember that. Or he used to come up to people. He'd be at a funeral and somebody would be crying and he'd walk up and he'd go here and they'd be like, what's this? It's a plastic shite. And then that was it. I can't remember the name. Oh, Stew. That's what it was called. S-T-E-W. Stew. Yes. That was, yeah. Celtic Tiger Project. It kind of sounds a bit Dermot Morgan-y though, doesn't it? Like it sounds like something Dermot Morgan would have done pre- Father probably inspired by that kind of thing yeah because oh, he did totally. he was you know he obviously did well it was mostly scrap saturday on the radio and stuff but he did um yeah scrap awesome did sketches I and mean, we've seen him do sketches on reeling in the years back in the early 80s yeah. and stuff. Uh, we've seen a few of his sketches and there's a few i've seen clips of mm-hmm. i don't know what the show was because they, didn't they bring back halls pictorial weekly like 10 years ago 
Uh, well, I think they, it was it was Hall's story. They called it something slightly different. It might have just been some pictorial weekly or something. But they yeah they brought it back and they had they had a load of sketches. They had like sketches about civil servants and there was a load of kind of um com- Irish comedians in it. Oh, I can't remember now. It was kind of a vaguely political sketch show. Mm. It had some yeah. of the guys from from Apre Match in it. Um, uh, Barry Murphy was in it. Ah, there's Apre a, Match. The, the, yeah, there's Todd there's... Cooper and yeah. Yeah, there's another actually good Celtic Tiger project, I guess, uh, that that actually did well. Because I think if you were to do something like that these days, I mean, anybody with a camera and access to YouTube, you know, they've kind of ruined the whole genre of sketch, you know. Um, I think Darren Gary's and she doing she's doing like a genuine sketch comedy now on RT. Um, yeah, she has she has a show. Yeah, Darren Project. Yeah, which yeah. is which is kind of yeah. sketch comedy with, with yeah with, with different characters and she plays a lot of um, shows impersonations and stuff. And there's a couple of good impersonators like online. Um, there's like there's there's a few, but there are yeah. I mean, Kieran, you're right. Anyone with a camera now, so there's a load of shit you have to wade through to actually get yeah. the good. Like a lot of them might be able to do a couple of half decent impressions, but they don't have any comedic chops. I would have said. Yeah. Um, Jesse probably know more than me, but like it just yeah, it feels like maybe the the writing they could maybe do with being teamed up with a funny person to write their stuff. Yeah, uh, it's probably how it phrases. Yeah, there's only so many Rory stories you can get through, you know. Yeah, you know. Um, and uh, this year it's Ireland's turn to host the European Community Presidency. Uh, Charlie wants to do a good job before we hand over to the Italians next year. Listen, Charlie, it's 1990. The Italians are already on our radar. Okay, we've got. At least he didn't say I Italians. I Italians. That's true. That's true. You couldn't yeah. get over the amount of minerals and the amount of people in that one room. Like they, they, there was yeah. like loads of bottles of Club Orange and like <laughs> yeah, glass bottles of, of of no ice. But like it was all, it just felt like there was too many people in there anyway. And yeah, yeah, there was a lot Atlanta of press knocking around. Yeah. And Charlie did well not to improperly touch anyone. I noticed he was keeping That's... his hands by his side. He he did. Um, I couldn't get over the fact like how out of place he actually looked. Uh, in amongst all the European leaders, as in, like he looked like somebody who knew he had done some terrible things, and he was with you know people who, I don't know, it's kind of like you know when you when, when you kind of doss off in your job and you get called into a big meeting and you're like, okay, everybody here knows what they're doing except for me, I'm in trouble. You know, he couldn't stand <laughs> out more if he was Bertie Ahern wearing a white suit. I kind of felt it was more. Um, Charlie was the only man in the room who didn't have a stylist, and yet he was a political leader. Like everyone else seemed to just look sharper than he did. He looked like he'd been pulled through a bush 44 yeah, times. Kind of like not as bad as Brian Lennon, but he, he started in these last few years to, to look old. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah a bit correct. Kind of, <laughs> early 80s, he was in his pomp, the power, you know, he had the chest out. Here, yeah, even though he's been in power over. for a few years, he just looks strained a bit. He just looks a bit old and he just looks a bit tired. Mm. Uh, still clinging to power, as we saw when he <laughs> sacked, when he like, uh, sacked Lennon. Like uh, Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Lennon was like his closest ally and he just sacked him within a minute of this episode starting. Um but uh yeah he, he looked a bit he looked a bit drawn. Maybe 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 he, that's why he didn't hahi anyone. Um he didn't he didn't need the attention. Yeah, I just didn't have the energy. Um and uh, we also get uh, so you see Thatcher proves once again why nobody wants to play with England in the playground as she rules out closer ties with any nation. And to prove how serious she is about that, 
she builds a tunnel with France. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, and actually, this is, this is a good point, right? So, you know, we're obviously watching these chronologically, but the series yeah. weren't put out. We mentioned this loads of times. The series weren't put out chronologically. So the 80s, we just watched. That was the first series. And you could tell the yeah. style of it. They were trying different stuff. They'd star wipe in one episode. And they had, you know, <laughs> yeah. they had, you know, uh, the, the music didn't quite match up with the stories. In 1990, which I think is the 90s, was probably the third series they made, I think. Um, they've really got it and they're 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 matching the songs up very well and they're oh, matching yeah. the clips up very well so that's a really nice bit of like she's like doesn't want ties with anybody cut to you know the <laughs> under the underground literally dealings <laughs> as uh, as france and Britain join up yeah yeah it's it, it, obviously they're bringing the countries closer together and yeah you couldn't have timed it better with Thatcher's statement like you know everybody's got to worry about themselves here we are literally drilling a hole between the two countries. Uh, I haven't actually been in the Channel Tunnel. Neither uh, have I. Has anyone travelled on the Tunnel? I went, to, well, I went on it once, yeah. Yeah, a good while ago when I was a kid, when I was about 15. I mean, like, is it just, you know, dark for a long time? Is that yeah, it? that's oh, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember much about it. <laughs> we were on the train, it got dark, got bright again, we were in France. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of how, how it feels. So we were going to an Ireland-France football match, so I was, you know, uh, very excited. <laughs> Um, and an ad up next for Guaranteed Irish as the voiceover man shames us for buying Farden. Uh, odd sort of ad as a load of shite is dumped into a trolley. Who's buying mattresses foreign? Yeah, it was very sinister, wasn't it? It was very yeah. like the, the voice was very, very sinister. It was like that, those old ads for like illegally pirating movies. You know, it was like you wouldn't download a bear. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then like, yeah, he's like shaming us. It's like, how dare you? But like, I hope he's not alive today to see the fact that we're are ordering half of our produce on Amazon. You know what I mean? Like even everything fucking like. Oh, milk. no, I have a better one for you. I sat in a restaurant recently and was told, I'm sorry, there is no more goat's cheese on the menu because of Brexit. I was Did- like, excuse me. And she said, um, there's no there's no goat's cheese because we actually import the goat's cheese from from abroad um, oh. and sell our own. Um, as so essentially, we export all of our product and produce and import, um, for ourselves. And she said that it was going to be the same for lamb. That, I was like, what? She said, yeah, we won't be able to get lamb anymore because of Brexit. I was like, we have sheep in Ireland, <laughs> uh, you know. And she said, yeah, but we import, we export them. So no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. So that's where we're at right now. So this guy, guaranteed Irish, he would be heavily offended by all of the carryings on going on right now. <laughs> yeah, not you know, nothing surprises me these days because I mean, even like my my contact lenses got held up in customs because of Brexit and COVID at the same time. Like yeah. that's a double whammy. Um, and uh, we see that Ireland's computer industry is getting a boost as Intel moved to leak slip to produce microchips. Uh, don't know if they're still there. Um, I, I, I vaguely remember a new story in, uh, as things were shutting down in the 2000s that this may have been one of them. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe. No, I think they're still there. Oh, they're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. still there. I have, yeah. a, I have a good friend who works there. Yeah, ah. yeah they're still there. But they're, they, they used to be the company, right? Like mm-hmm. Intel were everything. They were the huge plant in Leaflip. Then all of a sudden, the rest of them start coming. But Intel, to yeah. me, I always remember being the number one or the first of its kind yeah, of the, for the IT sector. Like, Yeah, and I, you know, I just remember them from the ads, uh, particularly on Eurosport for some reason, where uh, just to remember the words, Intel Pentium processor. I have yeah. no idea what a Pentium processor is, but I just remember the little ding, 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 ding. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's amazing how that shit sticks with you uh that and the mr F- mr bean fuji film ads those are the two memories of ads i remember from eurosport 
anywho. Um, and in business, Brown Thomas Group buys Switzers. Never heard of Switzers. Oh, no, don't say that. Uh, Kieran, you're, you're revealing oh, your non- I had a feeling no. as Not soon Dublin. as as soon as I wrote those words down today, I had a feeling that I was going to be intimidated because <laughs> it just sounds like the kind of thing that people from Dublin or live in Dublin or work in Dublin would know of. But the rest of us called she's wouldn't. So yes. go ahead, educate me. What's a Switzers? Jess, you, you educate him. <laughs> well, I mean, the north side had Clary's and the south side had Switzers. And, you know, it was your department store before Brown Thomas. We couldn't afford Brown Thomas back then. That's why we had Switzers. It was a slightly lesser quality of clothes. Like you weren't going to get your Hugo Boss, although probably back then it wouldn't exist. But mm. it was a department store like Arnott's. You know, it was it, but it was a flagship store. I don't know if they had them in the UK, did they? No, I think it was it was a, just an Irish one, and they they were famous for their Christmas window. Um, oh, so Switzer's yeah. Christmas window was like, which the window is still there. And Brown Thomas do a big Christmas display as well. But Switzer's was were famous for their uh, mm. for their the window, yeah. Christmas display. Switzers though it sounds like something that you would say to somebody when like they're wearing something nice Switzu. You know? yeah like Switzu you go ah oh, Switzers um, oh but... I liked it I always thought it was a lovely little and again you say it, I associate it with Christmas well you know I kind of showed my true actually you know funny enough I showed my true colours recently in terms of uh, my I won't say snobbery but uh, in terms of retail and, and what I know and what I don't know um, because you know I'm used to going to like we don't have high-end shops in Waterford like the, the the fanciest you're going to get is JD Sport um but so like all my clothes are pennies and I'm not ashamed of it but um like we went to we were in Dublin last weekend and we said we go to Kildare Village when we were in Kildare and uh my wife was like it's an outlet place and I went what's an outlet place and she was like oh it's like <laughs> it's like name brand but a little bit cheaper so I was like okay here's me thinking so it's kind of like a TK Maxx so I might be able to get decent clothes for sort of cheap so I went in and she wanted to buy me a pair of tracksuit pants and I went okay how much are they and she went 45 euro I threw an absolute fit in the shop so much so that the security guy came over and asked me was I okay because she was like oh yeah no we'll just get him it's 45 quid like you're not going to get him cheaper anywhere I was like I am not paying 45 euro for a pair of Puma trousers not a child when I was a child Puma were the poor kid trousers I'm not paying 45 euro for them they had buttons on the side of them okay well I'm gonna school you in a little bit of a revelation here um Puma might have been you know what it was back then but Fila Puma Champion are all now quote they're the brands yeah new age designer Oh yeah. No. Oh, my 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 daughter wanted a pair of Fila runners last Christmas, and I couldn't believe it because I was like, "Are you sure you want Fila? Like, I can get you Nike, I can get you Adidas. Are you sure you want Fila?" Mm. And she was like, "Yeah, you know, that's fine. We'll go have a look." And I was like, "Is that Velcro? You want Fila Velcro? Are you looking to be bullied?" Yeah. But no, apparently I'm I'm not hip and with it. No, I Can't... remember selling them for twenty quid a pair, and now they're going for like 70, 80, possibly a hundred quid for a pair of Fila, and they look ridiculous. Oh, they look like, ridiculous. They look ridiculous like, this is why we need heatons like our heatons, <laughs> our heatons closed down this is why we need heatons they were stocked with feeler back in the day um and also mcdonald's moves to moscow uh, i think i'll have the chicken mclennan um it just seemed like quite the big deal for obviously this with the fall of communism and what have you uh in russia obviously you know they were being exposed to the the, the, the lights of the western world who do they interview for that though? They, they, I enjoyed him immensely. He looked <laughs> uh, the image of Putin, I thought. He, he looked just like Putin, only was he American? 
he his comb over was just yeah. majestic. It, it didn't go across his whole head. Nope. It kind of went halfway across. Uh, like, and it was a different color to the side of his head. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, it's got the biggest counter in the world. Like, well, that is, he just looks, he was just so happy that commercialism had spread so quickly in, yeah. uh, in Moscow. Like within a year of communism falling, he's in there at McDonald's. Yeah. I assume he was Mr. McDonald or whatever. Like, I don't know who. But he Definitely. did look like Vladimir Putin. He did. You can't say he didn't. <laughs> it's, it's gas that like, you know, in every developed country in the world, it's like a symbol, a status symbol. You just, you have to have a McDonald's. Um, now, the, the French did it correctly. It was like, oh, yeah, you can have a McDonald's. You just can't make your ads. You know, you can't make the, the, the sign bigger than uh, terrestrial companies. So if you're ever going down the Champs-Élysées, you'll have a really hard time spotting the McDonald's because they can't uh, they can't advertise in big letters over there. Oh, OK. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's actually not just McDonald's. It's a, any foreign company coming into France. They can't have an advertisement like their shop sign can't be bigger than any of the domestic companies. So now there you go. I would like to there. do a moment here where I do a French accent, but it's cancel culture now. I'm not allowed. Yeah, no, that'll, that'll yeah. get that'll get you canceled. All right. Well, there is a There's a very good Twitter page called um, I think it's unusual McDonald's or non-standard McDonald's. And it basically just shows you pictures of the most unusual looking McDonald's restaurants in the world. Oh, that'd be awesome. How am uh, I already drawn to this? Oh my God. Yeah. So I think it's non-standard McDonald's. So it's like, there's one, I'm just, I'm just looking at it. So there's one um, that's like in Singapore and it's like a hanging garden oh. type McDonald's. Um, there, I know that on this page previously, the McDonald's in Bray, County Wicklow has been on there, which is <laughs> the McDonald's of my youth. Uh which is in the town hall in my in Bray. I don't know if any of you knew that. No, it's in the town uh, hall. Google McDonald's Bray. It's in the so that there was a there's a town hall. Bray Bray has a big main street that goes up a hill. And at the top of the hill is the town hall and the road splits either side of it. And it's a big town hall building. And about 20 years ago, McDonald's bought it and put a McDonald's in the middle of it. That's awesome. That is yeah. Sorry, but it is. What would you have for it? Never mind the town. One of the closing. it's it, on any of these lists of like unusual McDonald's from around the world. Bray appears on there. Oh, uh, yeah, kind of cool. I, I gotta ask, do you like is your Twitter feed just uh, like these obscure Twitter pages? Because what was the one you mentioned to me? The last one was like birds with arms or something strange like that. Uh, well, I, I I mentioned aging footballers quite that a lot, uh, <laughs> which is my one of my favorites. Which is one of, that's aging, not Asian. Uh, aging footballers. <laughs> Uh, uh, which is uh, I think it's 80s footballers aging badly is the uh, is the full <laughs> name but uh, it gives you the picture of the ma- of the players most of whom look at least in their 50s uh, and then gives you their age and it's like you know John Smith St. Mirren 21 years of age <laughs> and he looks like a 50 year old man like wrecked yeah <laughs> I love it I love so it. yeah no see I because I, I don't really I don't use Twitter as much as I used to because I found it quite a hateful place Oh yeah, yeah. and it's not negative, not, yeah. not brilliant for one's uh, sanity. So uh, you know, getting into arguments with random avatars. Um, so <laughs> I scale back my Twitter usage. So now I just I just look at things like yeah. that. Yeah. However, I as as Simon actually pointed out to me, I accidentally, I guess you could say, went viral uh, over the, the the weekend. You did, uh, yeah. <laughs> I got a. I was as I said, it was on my 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 anniversary, and uh, we were sat in the hotel room watching Kin. Which uh, it's actually a decent enough show if anybody out there wants to yeah, give it a look. But uh, I was kind of live tweeting about the episode, and I yeah just commented on how their use, their lack of 
the use of the term guardie uh, in favour of police was grating on me. And then as I'm on the drive home from uh, Kildare, notification, Simon Chadwick has tagged you in a post. Oh, what's this? And it was like, you're kind of famous. Clicked on it and Dublin Live had posted an article quoting my tweet. So I was like, oh, look at that. Yeah. And it was like one of these typical like clickbaity articles where it was like, people give uh, you know, reaction to Kin to yeah. new RT show Kin. You know, people are uh, up in arms about this, and then it was just your tweet about the police thing where you that was it. They shouldn't. They shouldn't use the phrase to police whatever you said. Like yeah. it was like a whole article based on this. Like the, the, the tweet was basically like, "Oh, uh, it's rating on it's grating on me how they don't use Gardy instead of the police." Like, did the police say anything? Yeah, pal. They said Sting will be here any minute. Um and like got like a good reaction. I sort of got like ninety six likes or whatever, and I was like proud of myself. And then to see Dublin Live, who they didn't credit me actually, fuckers. No. Uh, so if anybody oh, wow. Dublin Live is listening, it was like a fan, a fan said a this, fan. or That's you it, know, I'm a a, fan. whatever a viewer said this. You know, and it was like I mean his name's in the tweet. Like you know, you could just just quote quote exactly. His name. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. I mean, like that's God. I'm getting a harder time than like when you're reading the paper. Like mother of two, ever reading the paper? Mother of two killed in accident or innocent bystander. He always gets a rough time. Um, <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that your one tweet became people are up in arms about you know, oh, yeah. like Do you know what it was people. it was it was <laughs> viewers all giving out about one inaccuracy all, yeah. all. being the operative word there yeah. it was kieran and then <laughs> i think one other guy yeah that was it Just <laughs> and then they moved on to like other quote tweets about the show that was nothing to do with i think it was to do with one of them looking like her man uh rob mcelhenny from yes always uh, yes. so love you so there was two people kieran and one other person who said about the police thing yeah and then the article just segued into something else. It was so clickbaity. I just loved it. <laughs> so there you go. I'm I'm relatively famous. Um, yeah, so if you're listening from Dublin Live, quote the man's name next time. Exactly. Thank you. And if you'd People. like to come on the show and get us a bit of recognition, please do. Yes, um, please promote our show. <laughs> um, and George Bush is up against the wall as he promised on the campaign trail, no new taxes. And then he introduces new taxes. Now, this is another example of reeling in the ears, being in the stride, finding have found their feet at this point, that little clip of him saying it on loads of separate occasions. And then yeah. immediately having to agree like, well, I, when I said that, what I meant was, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, yeah. uh, nothing's on the, nothing's, everything's on the table. That's we yeah. might have to do something here and it's like you got caught out no wonder you didn't get a second term he did yeah he got absolutely caught in a fucking lie like that is the typical politician saying one thing and meaning another take note brian lenahan um and uh, give it a last check give it a last jack as liam harrison and the gold celebrities uh, gear up for the world cup as they get together to sing the boys in green off to italy and what exactly is that creature in the back supposed to be what? Okay, so <laughs> I googled it. It's a wolfhound, allegedly. Yeah, well, allegedly. It's yeah. the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> it's nightmares. It's something you'd look at in really bad, uh, low budget horror movie. Big. Yeah, thing. you need to you need to set up your own Twitter page, Simon, of like obscure. I don't know, obscure things, things that are not supposed oh, to be things. Actually, there is, so he's a, obviously a mascot, right? So there's a, there is another Twitter page that I should give a shout out to. Of course. Uh, which is Mascot's Minute Silence. <laughs> so if you think of a football mascot in the vein of this horrific creature, but but they're not all as horrific as this, uh, they all tend to have smiles on their face. So, you yeah. know, it'll be a lion <laughs> yeah. and it'll have a smile on its face. But 
there's it's so this 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 Twitter account is just pictures of the players before a match, you know, in a, on the center circle, you know, have, at a minute silence. So maybe it's for Poppy Day, maybe it's for whatever. And they're uh, you know they've got their arms around each other or they've got their arms behind their back and they've all got their head bowed. And the mascot is doing the same thing, but has this giant <laughs> smile on its face. And there's so many of them, and it is it is a lot. It is up there with the other ones I've mentioned. It's mascots uh. minute silence, and it is. It is glorious. We need. To oh, I'm it. gonna watch that. That sounds like something right yeah. up my alley. I, that's just... awesome. Okay, <laughs> as we um, as we go forward um, in on, on this uh, on this series, um, what I would like to do is every week going forward, I'm going to challenge you, Simon, to find another Twitter page like this. So okay. next week, I'm gonna come back at halfway through. We're going to take like a mini break and be like, what's Simon's Twitter page of the week? Um, <laughs> okay. Because I am loving these suggestions. Mascot Minute Silence is by far my favorite. I'll save a few more. I'll save a few more. Do. But these are good ones to just, as you're listening to us, just go on Twitter and have a look yeah, for these pages. This just, that sounds fucking, it's my favorite one of all time is uh, Facts About Carrots. Um, and it's, 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 <laughs> it, but it's, it's literally that. And it's like, you know. Uh, like just random facts that don't make any sense in relation to carrots. And I think it was deactivated like at around 2017 or something because he hasn't tweeted since then. But the last one was like carrots fill the void where Susan left. And it's just, it's like, what the fuck? Like just totally <laughs> bizarre. Um, but yes, here we go. So against England, uh, Bonner puts one down the pitch and Sheedy blows it into the back of the English net. I actually mistakenly wrote it down as Liam Sheedy. Then I realized he used to play for Tipperary. Yes. Um, <laughs> which Sheedy is this? Uh, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin Sheedy. That's Kevin the one. Sheedy, yeah. Uh, Dunphy speaks out against... Actually, I've put down Dunphy speaks out against Damon Dunphy. That'd be a trick. Dunphy speaks out against um, against Jack Charlton in a very McCarthy Kino-esque argument. Mm. Dunphy says he won't be bullied anymore. So I didn't get a lot of context in this. And Simon, you're the resident sports expert. Any more context to this? Yeah, so uh, so this all... this this So Eamon Dunphy was a, initially was very supportive of Jack Charlton coming into the Ireland management. Um, but obviously Jack Charlton's style of play was quite uh, agricultural. Uh, so the the uh, you, you, to give you the, the proper context, so you'll remember Eamon Dunphy and John Giles back in the 78 episode, I think, uh, set up a soccer school yes, in Dublin. Yes. And that was all about developing a style of play in Ireland that was going to be about possession football, keeping the ball, passing the ball, you know, pretty on the eye. Yeah. Uh, Jack Charlton's football was very different to that. Jack Charlton's football was, if you're a defender... I do not want to see the ball at your feet. I want it up the pitch. You do not play with the ball. You don't play it out from the back. And like he dropped really good players over it. Liam Brady's career was ended over it because Brady was used to coming back and getting the ball off his centre half, turning and trying to pass the ball out. Mm, yeah. Jack Charlton was all about put it down the channels and we'll chase them up there and we'll put pressure, put them under pressure. That's literally where it comes from. Yeah. And we'll put them under pressure up there. We'll force them into making mistakes and we'll play up in their end, which is a perfectly legitimate tactic. It, it obviously wouldn't work nowadays, but it worked really, really well, obviously, as we can see here um, in the in the late 80s and 90s. But Dunphy turned against Charlton because of the style of play. And when the results weren't good, like the Egypt game, because we should have yeah. beaten Egypt, we drew nil all. And obviously it was must have been a terrible match to watch uh, because it's really hot in Italy uh, and, you know, they're playing crap football and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, Dunphy is possibly under the influence of cocaine at the time. I don't oh. know. Uh, but uh, he... Allegedly. He, he allegedly threw his pen across the studio. Now, if you ever watched the clip, he does. That's not what he does. But because this was back in the day before things went viral, the word in Italy was that he had thrown his pen across the studio and said he was ashamed to be Irish on national TV. What oh. he'd actually said was he was ashamed at the, at the performance 
So, you know, as an Irish man, he was ashamed that his team would play that badly. And then he didn't, he threw his pen on the desk. He didn't throw it across the table. He just like, he had it in his hand and he just like went, he made this noise like, and like threw the pen at the end, at the end of his point, like just like threw it down in front of him. Um, and he was basically saying how shit it was. And, uh, but it, because again, it's, it's the nineties, there's no internet, there's no people watching these videos. So it, the word, by the time we got to Italy, word of mouth said that he had said he was ashamed to be Irish and he'd thrown his pen across and he'd stormed off and all this stuff. And Charlton was like, well, and then he arrived into Italy to like be a journalist, which was his job at the time. And Jarrett uh, was like, well, you're not coming into the press conferences. You can F off. I had no idea that the powder got a hold of Eamon Dunphy. Uh, at some point in his life, possibly not 1990, but yes, he has has oh. well-documented. Uh, uh, that explains the mannerisms. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so let me see here. Yes, so uh, Ireland versus Holland. A draw, again, puts us through to the second round. And against Romania, Paki Bonner gives us the immortal save, which puts David O'Leary on the spot to bury the ball in the back of the net, putting us through to the quarterfinals as a nation holds its breath. Grown men cry as the nation goes bloody mental. Not a child in Ireland washed, not a cow milked. Nope. Uh, even the Pope gets in on the action as the lads visit Rome. However, it all ends in heartbreak as Toto Scalacci sends Ireland home with a 1-0 defeat. Can I can I just go back a little bit there for a sure. second? Because I remember this vividly, this particular match, the Romanian game with the penalties and Paki Bonner saving the penalty. I remember that vividly. And I remember David O'Leary going up to the penalty area and my dad and my mom going, Jesus, this is the end now. This He's like, everybody had... It was safe to say when people held their breath, David Leary was not known for taking penalties and making them. And everybody was holding their breath on that one. Not like when Packy Bonner saved the penalty. I don't think I've ever cried that emotion. Like, I think the only other time, which we've discussed before, was going to see Michael Jackson in Parky Cueve and Cork in 88. I remember two moments in my life when I was under the age of 12, where I bawled my eyes out crying and couldn't understand why I was so emotional. It was pure elation, like it was, you know, mm. and when Packy Bonner saved that pen, that penalty, everybody thought in that split second, we're going. And then David O'Leary stepped up and everyone went, no, we're not. Poor <laughs> 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 David O'Leary had the weight of the entire oh, yeah. nation on his shoulders because he doesn't score penalties. <laughs> he doesn't score full stop. They, he really uh, doesn't. I think it was very famously he said that uh, Jack Charlton basically did not want him going up to take that penalty. No. But it was either mm-hmm. that he was kind of out of options or... Or he he basically just David O'Leary he basically just said no fuck it I'm taking it but at the end of the day yeah, Jack Charlton did not want David O'Leary taking nope. the penalty yeah O'Leary <laughs> was quite a self confident character yeah. and I assume still is uh, so and I think a few lads were wrecked and just didn't you know it's a big pressure moment so in fairness to him he stepped up and delivered really despite giving the nation up. despite giving the nation a heart attack I'd say when he was walking up oh god. And then when you're saying about Pope JP like again still my favorite Pope but probably the one that just I always said that, as I said to you, he has a smirk on his face all the time. Like there's a big, there was a big smug look on Pope John Paul II's face all the time. Even when he referenced the Irish football team, like there was a look in his eyes as if to say, I've been on the set, on the bag and the drink with Jack last night. We had, we great crack. And he just had that look where you're like, sums up. Yeah. Like this isn't normal. This guy does they have like a shared a glance across the cathedral and you know they're drinking buddies. Something's going down. They just felt very familiar. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're a bit too friendly, all right. Yeah. Um <laughs> 
Now, uh, of course, we know Ireland crashed out of the tournament. However, uh, West Germany eventually go on to win it. So today's pop quiz. So. In total, including penalties, how many goals did West Germany score in the entire tournament to win? So I'm going to start with Jess this week. So take a guess. How many, how many goals, including penalties, did Germany win? Did they score to win? I'm going to say 18. Okay, that's a good, that's a reasonable enough guess. Uh, Simon, how would you, what would you guess? Um, so they had, I remember one penalty shootout with maybe England semi-final. Um, I have no idea how many penalties they scored. It's more than England anyway. Um, so that's probably, I mean, you got five in there. The, I'm going to say... Gonna have to 12. Guess. You're gonna say oh, 12. Oh man, I was gonna say 12 too. Okay, this is, okay. This is exciting. Okay. okay, so Sammy, you were right in saying there was five in there somewhere. They did win one of the games 5 1, and they did beat England in the penalty shootout with four penalties. Um, however, the correct answer of the entire, the, the, the total amount of goals that they scored was 16. Oh, yeah, nice. So I'm gonna give it to Jess then for that one. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was quite close. It was quite close. Um, so up next, we uh, well, look up next, confession time. I've never seen the field. What, never, nope. Oh, I studied it in school. This was a the lot best of people doing my junior search, so I could do. I was like, there's a film. Yeah, I got, I got Huckleberry Finn, uh, that's all I got, but uh, I didn't get that, I didn't get the field, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, looks like a decent film. Uh, do you know what I'd say? It probably aged quite well, right. And now, because looking back on it, like it would still be set in the same kind of time, mm. but um, it was uh, it was a real, you know, the Irish against the American, and he was an American, like he was Tom Berenger. Yeah. Couldn't get any more American than yeah. Tom Berenger. The Yank, and, yeah, the Yank, and and Richard Harris was outstanding as the old farmer. It's definitely worth a watch. Like they Dumbledore. did actually make it quite exciting, even though it was literally a row over a field. Yeah, it was that very, Irish. Um, you, yeah. Yeah. Also, Sean Bean is in it. He looks the same age as he always has. Does he die in the film? He's known for uh, dying in films. I don't think he dies in the Oh, maybe. Uh, oh. But I think he does. He could possibly do. He has a son that dies. I'll have to look it up because he's. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. He, he's known for, for, for dying in his films. He's also known for the fact that in Irish. That technically Irish to in- back to English, Sean Bean is old woman, uh, because old meaning Shan S E A N and Ban Shan Ban old woman. Mm. So there you go, Sean Bean's an old woman. Um, in Kuwait, Iraq evades Saddam. Uh, Iraq evades as Saddam defies orders to retreat using tactics like using Western hostages as human shields. Uh, Bush states the line has been drawn as the UN imposes economic blockade on Iraq. Bush also delivers a speech where he says, we're here to protect freedom and innocent lives. He should have ended it with, well, ye are, I'm the president, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, I noticed his wife was in the background, I'm like, you two aren't going fighting. She's um, not going anywhere. There's something about, yeah, George Bush, as all George Bushes would for all of eternity, you know, wanting to go and bomb <laughs> the fuck out of some Arabs uh, in the Middle East. Um, yeah. That's uh, reassuringly familiar. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And it's like, you know, when you're younger and like someone's bullying you and you're like, I'll get me dad after you. George Bush Sr. is like, well, you know what, Sam? I'm going to get me son after you. Because, yeah. you know, George Bush Jr. kind of finished the job that his father couldn't really. And he eventually got Saddam. Oh, they're both gobshites. I'm sorry. Well, that's there. Yeah, they they're quite 
yeah, there. Um, and uh, up next, Sinead O'Connor singing her most iconic song yet, Nothing Compares to You. Uh, the famous song, of course, was sang by Prince first. Um, but perhaps the most poignant part of the whole video is the real tears that she's actually crying as she sang the song shortly after the death of her mother. Um, quite like it's one of those songs that it's so good that you actually either forget or you don't care that it's a cover. Is it a cover or a did cover. he write it for her? I, you know, I think he recorded it. I think he recorded it. Um, yeah. Like as an album track, maybe a B side. I'm not sure. But yeah, it wasn't yeah. particularly well known, I don't think. But no, it wouldn't have been like Raspberry Beret or Harvard Rain, nothing like that. But um, like it was still, uh, you know, one of his songs. But um, no, I think she just, and actually, it's kind of for me. It's a close tie. Who does the better version? Uh, either uh, Sinead O'Connor or the Stereophonics. They do. Uh, yeah, they do oh. a phenomenal, phenomenal version. Um, now it was only like a once-off for like radio, uh, BBC Radio Two or whatever. Those you know, uh, what's it called? Or like the live lounge. They do live lounge. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. Like yeah. I, was, I was thinking like a version, but that's the uh, Australian version of that. Um, but yeah, they did a fantastic version of it too. But it's just, it's such a powerful, powerful song. And um, that that whole video where she's actually just staring down the camera singing. and In her polo neck. In her, <laughs> yeah, in her polo Which seemingly have come back in fashion uh, in the last while. Um, would you call it a polo neck? I'd call it a turtleneck. I always call it a polo neck from when... To me, yeah. a polo neck is like the collar on a polo shirt. Could be, but Could I've be. always got okay. Well, we call it a turtleneck, but I don't hang around in your circle, so I'm gonna call it a polo. <laughs> I, <neck. laughs> you know, I don't hang around with many turtles. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the the IRA up next as they're using proxy bombs, uh, in which civilians are forced to carry bombs in their cars, um, and they're detonated by the IRA as a remote control. Uh, a civilian and six soldiers die as a result of one of them, and John Hume condemns the actions, saying other ways can be corrected. People can come out of prisons, but people cannot come out of their graves, which is just a very hard-hitting very John Hume line sums it up like he, like yeah. so well like he always was able to do that he was a great uh, speaker I suppose he always oh, he had was. the right the right words um, and that's a really powerful line yeah he, he was a terrific wordsmith and uh, actually it's, it's funny because it, it, it kind of came up recently as well uh, there was a documentary on I can't for the life of me remember the name of it but uh, Patrick Keelty was in it um, and he basically went to talk to like a new up and coming, a 19 year old actually, who was kind of like the leader of this movement of, you know, violent unionists. And he was talking to him, kind of trying to get his rationale behind the whole thing, been like, you know, we don't want to go back to this. Why do you want to go back to this? Whatever. And, you know, the unionist was basically saying, whatever it takes, you know, you see the footage of buses being burnt out. We don't care if we have to burn a thousand buses, whatever. And you find out actually, I didn't know this. Patrick Kilty's father was killed in the troubles. Yeah. And um, he, 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 brings together this 19 year old unionist and this older man as well who used to be part of the paramilitaries and uh you know he wanted to show this unionist that look nothing good comes of this and that peace prevails in the end because he literally says you know says to the man you know you want to be part of this you know but here i am sitting across from this other man and he was part of an organization and his organization killed my father and it was just very powerful and um you know, I suppose looking back on it through the 80s and the 90s, just how fucked up things were up in the north. Um, and he made a good point in the in the documentary as well. He said, this isn't, he said, like, people are watching this in the Republic. This isn't Baghdad. This is an hour up the road. You know what I mean? And it's it's all happening again and we can't go back to this. So if you get a chance, definitely watch it. I can't remember the name of it, but 
Patrick Hilty does a great job in it. Imagine having that conflict though, like mm. sitting in front of a man who was associated with people who killed your father. Yeah, like it's—I don't know how people keep their calm. No, and the other thing I—I'm I, like how I'm—I don't know. We know, but these proxy bombs, like how terrifying must it have been to live up there, knowing that you're driving your car one minute and then they're throwing, oh, yeah. you know, a bomb in the car and they're saying if you stop, you know, yeah. if you you know got to do this, we're gonna blow it up either way. You're gonna die. Like oh yeah, I, gee, like holy shit, like detonate by remote control. The true coward. True cowardly way of doing something, but like not even their own. They're yeah. civilians. These people are yeah. not involved. It's crazy to think how we, um, I said it before, Ireland always had a way of underplaying the severity of a disaster. Or in this case, like we didn't have World War One or two. It was the emergency. Yeah. And then the troubles. Like that doesn't sound like it was a civil war. Like it was a genuine war on, on our own. Yeah. Whether you're top, middle, or bottom, it didn't matter, and yet we were. It was the troubles. It was a troubling time. Hmm, okay. Yeah, okay. it's like I mean, because we lived through it, because it was so prevalent. When it eventually kind of ceased, it was like, oh, okay, we can actually, you know, peace once again. And then, you know, unfortunately, things kicked off in the last couple of years, particularly, yeah. you know, relevant now with the death of Lyra McKee and and everything. It just really kind of harkens back that like this is the way we were, and nobody wants to go back there. And, you know, if you ever get a chance, if you haven't already listened to the song, There Were Roses by Cara Dillon, very emotionally provoking song about the troubles um, and about how, you know, two friends get caught up in the mix of it and they both die. And it's 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 just really like you kind of close your eyes for a minute. You think about the way things were. You kind of go, let's let's just not let's just whatever about talking, use Mm. use your words. You know, we can't go back to the way of violence again. No. Um, and uh, in the hurling, Cork beat Galway while the footballers make it double by winning the All-Ireland Football Final. A great year to be from Cork, but if you ask anyone from Cork, every year is a great year to be from Cork. <laughs> I was about to say, can you imagine the gloating down in oh. Cork this year when they won both All-Irelands and the last oh. team to do it? I know. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, they just... Oh, I can only fucking imagine. Uh, the party is still going on, I'd say. Uh, you know, all <laughs> They the certainly still talk about it, I'd say, if you ask them. But of course, yeah, you don't need to invite a Cork person to talk about Cork. Oh, the true capital, isn't that yeah. what they say? The uh, yeah. People's Republic of Cork. As my, as, my auntie, yeah. as my auntie always said, how do you know someone's from Cork? They tell you. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting year in GAA, just as an aside, um, because of the World Cup, which we've, which we've just mm. seen. Um, so... The GA, like the early rounds of the championship were on in June, I guess, when the World Cup would have been on, like the provincial championships were on. And uh, the GA totally underestimated how many people would, you know, buy into watching soccer that, that hadn't previously had any interest in it. Yeah. Uh, and as Jess said, like the whole country went mental and got swept up in it. And that meant that they were throwing out games and putting on games at the same time as Ireland games and expecting that you'd get the same crowds at a GA game that you'd always get, that the GAA people would stay loyal. And it was like they were getting three, four, five thousand to games they would have got 20, 25,000 that the year before. Um, and it really woke GA up to the fact that like, you know, they're they're competing with other sports here for uh, for fans, and actually it, it helped to sharpen their act up. And they're very they're very uh, they're very well marketed nowadays. And part of it is because of the uh, the rise of the Irish football team. Well, I mean, you look at it now. The GAA have more control over any sport oh. or any other governing body in this country, allegedly. But like you can see, like during lockdown, the it's an amateur sport, and these lads were able to go back and start training and. 
you know, yeah. when nobody else could. So yeah, absolutely. When yeah. you're looking at the power that there was a bit of a, a turner, a bit of a switch in power, the, the money was basically guiding oh, it. But totally. I remember saying to somebody, why are the All-Ireland, like, why are the football matches on? It, it does, it, does it not like a veto, kind of like national outbids your inter-county? But apparently, apparently they obviously thought not. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, well, actually, now to be sure, there's one organization out there that does have more power than GAA, and that would clearly be the uh, Crow Park Residents Association. Oh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get um, stuff down, you want to get stuff denied down, you just head down to the lads on the Joneses Road. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should see there was an interview I saw it on Gogglebox. Uh, I can't even remember who the interviewer was, but they were interviewing somebody anyway uh, from the Dublin, the Crow Park Residents Association. And he was the most ignorant man because she was like, uh, she was like, you know, uh, what what do you think it is? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, let me tell you now. Um, um, oh, uh, look, do you know what? I've forgotten who it is I'm talking to. But anyway, and then at the end of it, she was like, look, thank you very much for joining us. And he just went, OK, good. And then, oh. uh, everyone was like, what, what the fuck? Um, so, yeah, certainly if you want something done, Co-Prague Residents Association. Um Speaking of uh, conflict, Thatcher fights to stay on as Tory leader. The devil does not go down without a fight. Uh, however, she loses her grip as John Major takes the reins and Maggie steps aside. Um, this would birth one of my all-time favourite sketches from Spitting Image. Oh, uh, classic. Where, where John Major is having, obviously the running joke being that John Major is the most boring man on the planet. And uh, John Major, I suppose the puppet, is having dinner with his wife. And uh, he looks, he looks down at the floor, and he goes, oh, "There seems to be a pea on the floor. That's I wonder whose plate it came from. Well, let's see. The average tuna peas contains 125 oh peas. I've got one, two. It's just, <laughs> it's just classic. The man is a walking joke. Uh, very, very silent. I, I would say silent, Prime Minister, because but people remember obviously Maggie Thatcher, and then it's like nothing, and then Tony Blair." So I don't think John Major really did anything of relevance, uh, you know, aside from, you know, obviously uh, naming himself after a pack of fags. Uh, but yeah, he was kind of like grey. Yeah. Blue. Was he a grey blue spitting image dummy? Like a. Punch? Yeah. That kind of color. Yeah. Kind of a, yeah. He just he he just sucked the life out of a room. And yeah. He did, though. There was nothing about him that was in any way appealing no, or. Yeah. No sex uh, appeal. Powerful or, or like Thatcher. What do they call her? The Iron, the Iron Lady. Lady. When, like yeah. you've the iron there, lady, there are other nicknames for her but we probably well, yeah. can't say them <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but like she she was she was a real character like Meow. how did he even get in i'd say people just said i oh, look vote for him he was, he, yeah he was kind of like was he like a compromise like because i the main players in like knifing thatcher in the back or like i think Hess, michael heseltine was a long-term opponent of of her yeah and I, I i would have thought but i think he had left it too late like he was challenging her for years and never got near it and i think he was probably a bit past that at this point so i think major was kind of like enough people liked him to be like yeah we'll, we'll make him the leader yeah it was just a kind of he'll do um he was definitely like sitting down like you know oh I just showed up to another meeting and they're like right who wants to be prime minister now and he put his hand up because he needed to use the bathroom and they were like yep okay john <laughs> up you go <laughs> and in the background they're playing better than the devil you know by Kylie Minogue yes. that's like, what I'm yeah. saying yeah. <laughs> they've really got this down they're just really getting the parodies in there now they're like yeah, yeah. 
And as she's leaving, they're playing I Used to Love Her by the Saw Doctor. Yeah. Which is just fantastic. And as we exit the show, then we see them rocking out with I Used to Love Her dressed as altar boys. Lads, uh, the crowd in this are what? on fire. They are raucous. Like, I'll be honest. from Galway and like loving yeah, life. Like, look. I used to love her like good tune you know Saw Doctors it certainly get a crowd going but like they're just absolutely on fire they, yeah they were and like I'll be honest I didn't really know much in Saw Doctors growing up uh, obviously I knew N17 but when I think I used to love her kind of came out again they re-released it kind of in late 2000s and it was all over the radio it was just an absolute banger so I thought it was kind of a new enough song um, and then Saw Doctors tried to ride that wave of like comeback when they did a cover as well of the Sugar Babes, um, yeah. How I feel about you now, and then they brought out a song about somebody unfriended him on Bebo, and then I went, oh God, no, no, this is where it all falls apart, and now they're just still collecting the res- residuals from my used to lover every so often. I just default to coppers when I think of the Saw Doctors, and like bearing in mind that when that originally came out it was nineteen ninety, I was ten, I wasn't going to coppers. <laughs> Well, like, and in all my years I've been to Coppers, I think the most amount of times I've been there in years like three, and I think Dublin won the All Ireland that year, and I was sober. That was oh. traumatic. Oh wow! But the Saw Doctors, I only ever affiliate with the Rosa Tralee the and Copperface Jacks, and nothing else. Like, I'm sure they could be huge in Germany. Who knew? To me, they were just that's what happened. You you, you heard these lads perform either over the speakers in Coppers or live at the, the Dome in Rosa Tralee. That and, was essentially my my spec on them. And you know what? There's, it's funny I mentioned the Saw Doctors and cover versions because I, I was in work a couple of weeks ago and we had TV3 on, I show my age now, uh, Virgin Media 1 um, on the telly. And there was an ad came on. I think it was an ad. And... I heard the the lyrics to N17, but it wasn't the Saw Doctors. Yeah. I went, what the fuck is this? So there I see a lady singing a very, very soft, gentle cover of N17. And I thought, what an odd song to, to do. Because, like, I mean, you're used to, like, the John Lewis ad every Christmas or, like, this new thing they're doing now where they have been for the last few years where, right, take a popular song, like Twinings had the cover version of Wherever You Will Go which was a really, really nice cover. But N17 is such an odd choice to do a soft cover of. It didn't really make sense. Well, yeah. you remembered. I re- well, there you go. I remembered how angry I was. Uh, <laughs> so whatever that product is, I'm not buying it. Um, and with that, our show is done. So before we go and say our goodbyes and sing the song from Bear in the Big, Big Blue House, not really different Ooh. podcast. Um, we're going to go around the table now and decide who, if we were to bring any three people from tonight's episode to uh, a dinner party, who would we pick? So I'm going to start with Jess this week. So if you were to pick any three people that have come up in this week's episode to bring to a dinner party, who would you bring? Um. Okay. So Maggie Thatcher has to be in there. Has to be. Does she? Hands down. Because my opening line to her would be, "Why are you such a bitch? <laughs> What's wrong with you?" Um, and I, I also like the idea of bringing in um, Packy Bonner. Mm. Um, purely just to, you know, like, I, I, I think I fell in love with him after he saved that penalty for Romania, for Romania, and, and, and I think that's when I fell in love with tall, stocky built men. I was like, this is great. Look at him; he's a machine. Yes. Um, yeah. So definitely that. And I think my final person, just for a bit of crack. Mm, I think I think I'm gonna bring in. Um, yeah, I, I'll bring in I'll bring in Kylie Minogue, just for a bit of crack. Plus, she's hot, like you know, well, got to need a bit of eye candy at the table. That's that is actually very true. So that's some quality, yes, sir. Uh, Simon, if you were to pick any three this week, who would it be? 
Uh, I will go with, so I'm the first person I'm going to bring is, that's not because I want to pronounce his name again, but Stefan Klinkovitz, the head of the Scruffy Murphys uh, <laughs> cartel or syndicate or whatever they are, uh, because he's obviously filthy rich. So oh, yeah. he'll, he'll bring the good stuff to the dinner party. So we're going to get Stefan in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and maybe he can tell me how to win the lotto because that would be nice. Um, second person in is Nelson Mandela. Oh yeah, uh, he's just an absolute hero of mine. Has been for a long, long time. Um, and I'll I'll probably have him every time he shows up on these on these episodes. Um, and then the third person I'm going to bring, I've gone slightly different because I've, I've had Jack Charlton before, and obviously those guys are all heroes. I could have picked any of that World Cup squad or or anyone like that. But uh, I'm going to go for Mackie D's man. Uh, the American guy who was being interviewed, who we don't actually know who he is, but uh, because I want to see what's under his comb over uh, predominantly. So, uh, so I'm going to bring him as the third man and he might bring, uh, he might bring some McDonald's nice. for, as a snack. Nice. Um, starter. Yeah, exactly. This is a bring a plate dinner party. You don't just get to come and eat my food. Ah, that's, that sucks. Um, so I am going to go with John Hume, um, just because he's an absolute legend for all that he's done for peace between the North and South. Um, the Saw Doctors, the whole lot of them can come because they're just fantastic. They seem like great crack. Um, and Sinead O'Connor, because I just, I, I have always had a bit of an affinity for Sinead O'Connor. As bizarre as her life is and as bizarre as she is, she's just, she's a decent singer and has just like, that whole phase she went through with the Rastafarian album uh, and now she's uh, converted to Islam. Just an absolute interesting character, not afraid to live her life. So yeah, definitely, definitely Sinead. Um, and with that, the year 1990 has come to a close and we say farewell, of course, to the 80s, hello to the 90s, but we're also unfortunately saying farewell to Jess. So Jess, thank you very much for your appearance on the last two episodes. How have you enjoyed your experience on the show? I loved it. This is awesome. And and I, I, I am a huge fan of Reeling in the Year. So um, it's the intro that gets me every time. But I've I loved it on. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm actually going to keep watching them. Nice. I'm going to keep listening to you guys because I think it's awesome. I think it's great what you're doing. And um, you make me laugh, Yay. which is good. That's one more listen, one more listener. <laughs> uh, and uh, Simon, thank you very much for joining us this week. We'll be back again next week, of course. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, so we'll be back, yes, next year with the next week, rather. We'll be back next week, not next year, uh, with the year 1991, as we hurtle towards the decade that is the 90s. Um, and of course, upcoming the most important year, which would be 1992, the year I was born and the year that everything was right with the world. Um, <laughs> but as we hurtle on that, as we mentioned earlier, I'm apparently you know somewhat going semi-viral uh, on twitter so if you want to be sure if you want to see if dublin live or you know her.ie or screwfix.ie whoever picks me up this week uh follow us on twitter at r-i-y-e podcast um and be sure to check us out there stay tuned for all the upcoming episodes go ahead and listen back to all the stuff on spotify for the last i can't even remember how many episodes we're in now i think we're I think we're coming up on about 30. Um, so be sure to check us out there. Every episode is live Saturday, 8 p.m. You know, just be sure to check it out. Like and follow Facebook, Twitter, all the rest of that jazz. Um, so for me, thank you very much for listening once again. And as always, keep on reeling. I have fallen for another. She can make her own way home. I used to love her, I used to